Hi people, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development and welcome to our first initial edition of the Breakout Room for 2024. This is season four and we are so excited to share the moments and the times with the wonderful guests that are coming on on the Breakout Room, the place for health, happiness, and prosperity that we wish you and we hope that you would accomplish all your dreams all your goals all your aspirations for all of 2024 with good health and blessings from the creator oh yes indeed it is a pleasure to be here with you guys so without further ado let me introduce our guests as you can see across the screen her name is there and for the purpose of the records this episode will be entitled Resilience Overcoming Adversity. Our guest, she is known as a C-suite executive, speaker, author, passionate diversity and inclusion leader, personal brand and networking expert, board director, award-winning executive leader, and number one best-selling author. There is so much more but we gave her the opportunity to tell us so much more about herself, her life, her aspirations, her dreams, and all the wonderful things she wishes to see for the people that she serves in her genre. We are speaking about no other than the impressionable and highly unusual, but effective Victoria Peltier. Welcome. Hi there. Thanks for having me, Andy. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having you on, and it is so wonderful to have you on this, the initial episode of the fourth season of The Breakout Room. So we are breaking ground together, and it's a wonderful time to look forward to, I am sure. So, Victoria, here, here we go. I have looked into your information, and I have seen so many different intriguing aspects of your life. And I know you're going to share that with us, but I want to focus on what you are doing right now at the moment in your field. And I want to ask you, what are some of the challenges that you are facing in terms of the people that you are giving the information, the advice to with regards to the buildup of their companies, the diversification of their companies, and the executive fortitude to do the things that are necessary to sustain their organization and even themselves. What are some of the challenges that you're currently facing? Share with us, Victoria. That's a big ask, Andy. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> in that, so I personally, so I, I do a couple of different things. I know you described a little bit in my bio. I'm a C-suite executive. Uh, and then I also have, I refer to it as my side hustle, but it's very much lot lot to do with passion. So as a C-suite executive, I'm in transition. I made a decision to leave the last company in the summer. And so I'm looking for that right, perfect fit that brings me joy where I can leave the, the lead the workplace. And whenever I leave it, um, a better place than when I came into it from particularly from a, a leadership culture perspective. But my side hustle is as a professional speaker and I do coaching in a few areas. And both for executives, I do some on personal branding, uh, but where I spend a lot of my time is around advocating uh, from a di diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint, also helping others step into their joy um, and advancement in their own career. 
And so where I see challenge for them is it's a very difficult and different environment. There was, right. I don't love the phrases, I think they grabbed social media headlines of um, the great resignation, um, the quiet quitting and all those things. But the pandemic made the workforce think very differently about what they wanted. And that pendulum starting to swing back now. And so where people felt um, much more agency over career and where they were going to go because of sort of market conditions. People are in a position to maybe not be able to make some of the changes they want right now. And I've seen us take step backs from a DEI perspective. Sadly, the last in, first out. And so, um, and many of those were diversity hires. So I spent a lot of time with leaders talking about how to manage their own career, but also to, to manage some of these dynamics as a leader and still maintain the kind of diverse um, positive workplace um, that they're looking to create. Yeah, that's a lot. Thank you so much for sharing, Victoria. <laughs> I appreciate it. I want to focus a bit on the fact that you are a very powerful speaker. And I've seen where you have the obvious ability to command the attention of folks while you're on stage. How did you develop that level of confidence and you are able to deliver so very well that you in captivate the audience i um i i have a very different or not i'm not sure path than others i want to let your audience know you don't have to come from the background that i have you can develop the skills that said i was an actor when i was quite young my mom put me into modeling. I hit my height at a very early age and I'm adopted. They didn't know how tall I was going to be. And she did it to break me out of my shell. And it actually ended up leading into the acting world, which is where I, I found a lot of joy and passion. So I had confidence standing on stage, commanding audiences. However, I was always playing a, a, a part or a character. And so although I knew how to stand on stage, um, when I started to do it, um, speaking about myself, um, I needed to get comfortable with that. And so I've been speaking for over 20 years. It started initially just for, for work, for conferences. You know, we'd be sponsoring an event and they need someone to come in and speak on the business, the industry, you know, some subject matter expertise. And so I was doing that. And then I shifted 10 years ago when I made bold shifts in my own leadership style and being much more authentic and vulnerable and sharing some of my lived experience, I started to weave that into the broader business context as well. And I've now been paid professionally to speak for a little over the last 10 years. But as I said, I think you can um, gain better skills. So for those who want to do it, uh, I would say you need to very much understand your content, know your content, don't be reading from notes uh, and make sure again, it's something that you're passionate about. And then it, just like anything else, you need to practice, you know, do it little baby steps and small with smaller audiences and maybe over yeah, zoom yeah. so you can eventually do it physically and standing on stages. Yeah. Thank you for sharing Victoria. Appreciate that. You have been nicknamed the turnaround queen and the CEO whisperer by former colleagues and employers. Why did they nickname you those two things? How did you earn it? Uh, the turnaround queen, uh, is I, I'm the type of person who would almost break something just to fix it and put it back together again. One of the things wow. that has motivated me the most, uh -huh. um, is, is learning and growth and having new challenge in front of me. And so I've consistently been given 
businesses, business units or market units that have not been performing and the ability to turn them around. And I've been a part of 18 mergers um, or acquisitions or some related transactions for the companies I've worked for. And a lot of that comes with the need to turn around parts of the business, synergize, reorganize. So that's where that one comes from. CEO Whisperer comes um, twofold. One, having been a C-suite executive for many, many years, and the ability to then have conversations with other CEOs and have them, one, recognize um, and, and have a sense of credibility because I've sat in their shoes, but also it's a result of the type of communication and what I refer to as radical candor. Although I've always operated that way, I use the phrase to steal it from Kim Scott, who wrote the book. And so I don't tell CEOs what they want to hear. I tell them what they need to hear. And so <sighs> therefore, in doing that, they want to know more. Yeah, that's great. Wonderful. So you have been described as C-suite executive, speaker, author, passionate diversity and inclusion leader, personal brand and networking expert. Which one of these areas really excites you the most and brings out the best in you? Uh, oh, <laughs> it's, it's hard. In my email signature line, I actually add one word to that, multi-potentialite. And that ah. is the, the fact that I have many diverse interests. And so they're, mm -hmm. they're all me. And so I feel like I almost can't do one without the other. Uh, like a lot of people have encouraged me to just be a professional speaker full time, but it brings me such joy that I think if I, I was doing it hundred percent of the time, I wouldn't love it as much, um, as the complexity that comes in running like large businesses, but, um, the diversity cha champion is probably the one I think when I think of my personal brand, um, I usually talk about various elements of brand and a lot of people just think about what you do or the industry you know, you're known in. That's only one element of it. One of the mm. most important pieces I encourage people to lean into is legacy and impact. And what do you wanna be known for? So if I wanna be known for something, I'm not gonna be known for like the sales, you know, revenue and profitability of the company. It's in the 18 mergers and acquisitions that I've done or more by the time you know I die. I wanna be known for the advocacy I did for underrepresented groups, whether that be women, the LGBT community, the black and brown community, and making them feel more welcome in the workplace and our community at large. That's what I want to be known for. Okay, great. And that sounds like a wonderful legacy to have. When you look around in the corporate world, Victoria, what style of leadership you admire the most? I know there are many different genres of leadership that exist in the world today. Some is autocratic, some is democratic, some is even dictatorial. But what is the one that you admire the most, you think that stands out and is necessary for corporations, countries, wherever in the world today? I, um, I, I coined the phrase myself, whole human leader. Uh, uh -huh. have, a book, book, have a book coming out later this year with that in its title. And for me, that is, and maybe it's a lot aligned to what is referred to as servant leadership. Uh, but for me, it's more than that. Uh, and it's that there isn't a trade-off for being really clear on business requirements or you know, the, the needs we need to achieve for our shareholders. And so business results. 
But to achieve that, I think we need to be very different kind of leaders. And so this whole human leadership is embracing the fact that we should be building authentic and real relationships with our teams from a place of vulnerability and sharing of ourselves, of being really authentic um, and asking the same of our team. We know that people do business with people they like and trust and therefore want to do business with. And people leave, not companies, they leave leaders. And so this whole uh-huh. human leadership is about leading in a very different way, empathetic um, and with great humanity. Yeah, I follow you. Thanks for sharing, Victoria. I want to look at the team a little bit. And I love the term resilience, but overcoming adversity, that seems to be a challenge for many in the world today. And in so many different areas, we are challenged with so many different kinds of adversity. What would you say to people generally? And and I mean, this could be a generic statement or it could be a specific area that your expertise lies in. How do people gain the ability to be resilient enough to overcome the adversity they may face in life or in business? I come from um, a place of like having had great experience, unfortunately, with adversity and trauma. And uh, I had what I'm going to refer to Andy as a, an unhealthy way of being resilient. And that was, I put walls up around myself. I was exceptionally great at compartmentalizing um, how I felt in dealing with the adversity and trauma. And I had to learn the healthy way to be resilient. And so for me, that is one, let's be very clear on the goal or objective we're setting for ourselves. Whether that be personal or professional, it can be a fitness goal, what, whatever. Like, be very clear on that's always my anchor, and recognize that there's things outside of our control. And so, what we can control is how we choose to respond to the adversity or obstacle that comes our way. And in doing so, we need to model the thoughts, the actions, and the behavior to take us forward. And then the next step in that would be, however, giving ourselves permission to fail. As long as, you know, one one foot in front of the other is progress. And if sometimes you need to take a step back, give yourself permission to fail. But then anchor back to, again, the goal or objective. And then beyond that, surround yourself with people who are going to support you. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Thank you for sharing, Victoria. So there are some adjectives that are used to describe you. And two stand out, unstoppable and dynamic. I kind of could hear it in your voice, but what quality do you think that you possess that gives you the desire to be dynamic? To be dynamic is, uh, the the word is used, um, I, I think you said you can sort of see the energy. You know, this is passion in everything I do and I say. And so that comes out in what people will often use to describe me as being dynamic. So for me, I don't do things that do not bring me personal joy, personal or professional joy or value. I just say no. Now there's some stuff we have to get done. And so I delegate or I I outsource those things. But then in everything else that I do and how I engage with people and how I speak, I do it with confidence. I do it from a place of authenticity and I do it from a place of joy. And so that is what makes me dynamic. 
And how do you deal with stuff on a bad day when you get up in the morning and the energy level is low and you need to dig deep so that that level of resilience and dynamic spirit that you have comes to the fore? Because we are not going to have blistering, wonderful, overwhelming good days every time. We're going to have challenges. How do you deal with yours? The other word you use to describe unstoppable, that's, that is sort of my philosophy and mantra. And no one is going to you know, stop or define how far and wide that I can go. But to your point, bad days happen. We're going to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. We're just not going to feel amazingly well. Um, but for me, I, I, I've got this nature. A lot of people ask, where does it come from? Again, I overcame significant trauma in my youth. That's my fuel. That's my why. I'm determined wow. to be better than where I came from. And so yeah. when I have one of these bad days, I just anchor back. Again, it's a choice. I am choosing in terms of how I'm going to move forward with that. I've got a goal. I've got an objective for myself. And I know that I'm pushing myself to be better than I was yesterday. And so that's what allows me to like push through when I'm having a moment of, of whatever the emotion is, sadness, disappointment, um, or just general malaise when I wake up. But I work out six days a week. So that is what gets me going and wow. like sets me up for wow. the day. Okay, six days. I, I'm not promising that I'm going to try that to do that, but I get you. I want to look at this from a professional perspective, and I mean like corporate in terms of the leader being able to communicate to the people in the company or the organization or the department, that level of mental commitment so that even though they're going through a rough time on the production line or in terms of given the level of service that the organization is accustomed doing, how does the leader motivate people to build on that level of resilience, to have that mindset that you spoke about and to overcome the adversities that they may personally be dealing with so that he bridges the gap between that level of communication. And despite they may be having a tough day, whatever he says or does can inspire them to overcome and push on and produce better. I think there's there's a couple of things that, you know, from a leadership perspective, we can do um, on that front. First is, have we created uh, an environment in which everyone feels safe and a sense of belonging in which they would feel comfortable sharing that there's some adversity that they're facing where we show up to work, work our whole selves every day. So we can't, it's very difficult just to park what's happened personally over here when we come in. So we, again, creating an environment where there's the safe space in which I could share that with my leader. So that's number one. And then two, going back to the whole human leadership approach and approaching with empathy, humanity, um, and vulnerability is as a leader, what are you doing to share your own experiences with others and what adversities have you come through to make them feel that there's a sense of connection, that there's a sense of hope that they're going to be able to come, you know, come yeah. through the other side. Yeah, that's so very important. And I guess it's like the, the catalyst that holds organizations together and keeps them on a place where everybody feels I'm important. I matter. And that makes a difference. So Victoria, I want to share something with you and it is just over three minutes, but I may, be, I may stop it at two and a half minutes because there's some key factors in it that I want you to comment on. Uh, so here we go. 
I'm gonna share with you a journey of me living a life being unstoppable. You know, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, we're on the keto diet um, together. I'm a fitness fanatic, which is how I have met one of my great friends in the room here today in the gym. Uh, but I'm at many other things. I'm a passionate networker and a connector of people. I became a manager by 14 and an executive at 24. You know, so before I talk about the journey and, you know, living this unstoppable, no excuses life, you know, I think you need to start with why. So you need to understand a bit about my why. I was born to a drug addicted teenager, Julie. I was determined to be better than the bi biology I was born into and the circumstances I experienced. Thirty years in the workforce, twenty of which are now at an executive level. Many times in that, oh, well, like, what do you attribute your success to? Three things, other than some of the ones that I've just shared with you. It's about performance boundaries, and brand. Wow. I'm going to start with the last three things. Performance, boundaries, and brand. Explore a little more for us, please. It sounds really intriguing. Performance. Uh, yeah. So having a strong brand is important. I'll, I'll come, come to that. But at the end yeah. of the day, I achieved a lot of where I am today as a result of performing extremely well. Turnaround right. Queen was and a nickname I got right. as a result of strong performance, but very connected to that. I want your audience to understand there's a much more of a focus on skill. So finite skills, when you think about how rapidly the world is changing, the shelf life of skills is shortening dramatically with technology, with things like AI and you know, ChatGPT and the likes of that right now. So be really clear on what skills are required um, within the workplace, not only for today, for the current role you're in, but where the strategy and where the business is going. Don't trust that your leader or the business is going to bridge and help you develop those skills. Again, you're the CEO of your career, of brand you. So recognize that and be also connected to performances. Be very clear on how success is measured in the organization that you're in. So know your the skill, have very strong skill, continue to develop skills required for the future and or where you want to go. If you want to shift and make a change, um, show up with strong work ethic and be really clear on how your leader in the business is going to measure success. So that's one. Question. <laughs> I, love <the> connection, <laughs> I love the connection, Victoria, between your past life and the term that you coined, which we, we, we shared earlier, unstoppable. And it gives me the notion that people have to understand that what happens to them in life is not necessarily happening to them, but for them. 
And I get that in your message that you took your situation and used the fuel from that to turn things around in a manner in which you thought was best for you. What does it take to develop a mindset and an attitude like that? Because I think people need to know that there's a way in which it can be done, but so many are afraid to either ask a question or venture into something that is different or unusual because it's like the whole world is looking at them and they're wondering, can I get out of this? Is my past going to come back to haunt me? Stuff like that. How did you make that transition for yourself and decide to use that as the fuel and create the attitude of unstoppable? What was that experience like for you? I, um, I, by the way, I didn't answer the other ones around boundaries and, um, yes. and brand, but I did talk okay. about them earlier here. So yeah, you did. Um, so I, I won't go into to depth there, but on the unstoppable, but I think, you know, I, I, it's, it's funny. So I have, um, so as I said, you know, I'm adopted and so I was raised, you know, by, um, non, you know, biological parents and, um, I have two children, each of whom were born um, through artificial insemination and have different donor fathers. And, and so I, I spent a lot of time observing and wondering nature versus nurture um, and where does stuff come from? And so for me, I think there is innately something in my DNA. When you think about fight or flight, I am a fighter, 100%. Mm. Um, sadly, yeah. I think it gets my you know, husband in trouble because he's always prepared to, because like I will call people out on their stuff. Um, okay. And, you know, and then sometimes like, uh, you know, that they can get aggressive and my husband's like ready, ready to pounce. Um, but there's a, there's, <laughs> to defend you. Yeah, exactly. He's like, sometimes it's like, yeah, just calm, calm, you're fine. Um, so wow. but there, there's in my DNA, there's, mm -hmm. there's a fighter in there. And then okay. the other part is, has been learned and is, experiential and goes back to this focus on being resilient. I'm not going to let anyone or anything stop me from achieving my goals and objectives. And right. I've learned, so as I talked about kind of these steps of resilience, that's the part I learned um, that the DNA is in there, uh, but couple bring those two together. And that's what's allowed me to be and live this very like unstoppable mantra or philosophy for life. Yeah, it's so fascinating. Thank you for sharing, Victoria. Tell us a bit about the writing. What inspired you to publish and write the stuff that you have experienced? And what kind of response did you get when the publication went out? So the first um, book that I wrote, um, I have two coming out this year, but the first one right. is a co-authored book and it was serendipitous. So in right. the video you saw, I referenced a woman from the gym that was in the audience. Mm -hmm. So we met at the gym. Later, weirdly, she became a client. And then at one point, um, she became a, um, a, a different type of client for mine as I coached her. Yeah. She got me connected to a publisher who um, was looking for authors for this book. And the moment I heard that the title of the book was Unstoppable, the rest of it is change makers who dare to make a difference. I'm like, well, that is me. I'm like this, there, there's, it's obvious. I need to participate in this. And that was the first time I shared in writing so publicly more of my story. The chapter is called Courage to Live. And mm. I, I did it for a host of reasons. I had started sharing um, on stages some of that story. And that was a result of sharing in smaller settings and seeing how impactful it was for others. 
And so I realized I can share this with a very broad audience. If I can help just one person um, yeah. who's either experienced something similar or tangentially just trauma and challenge, and they recognize that in my story and the success and overcoming it, I can help them, then I'm going to do it. And so that's why I did it. And um, it was cathartic even for me to be sharing um, and putting, you know, pen to paper, so to speak. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing, Victoria. Are you currently involved in any mentoring programs? Um, and when I say mentoring, I mean, are there any persons, individuals, maybe one or two younger persons who are seeking to build and develop themselves in a career and you see a certain potential in them and you're saying to yourself, yeah, I can invest some of Victoria into that person or into that group of people. Are you involved in any of those programs currently? I normally, um, although I'm in career transition from the, on the C-suite executive side, I normally am involved quite heavily in some mentorship programs within the organizations, both okay. a part of like the employee resource groups, both for women, for LGBT, and then others on my team. I, I personally, you know, invest in people that I believe have um, that perform, but also have great potential. Uh, okay. And so there's one I can think of uh, from a number of years ago that I just knew he was the moment I met him, good human, leading a team of women. Um, and um, I was committed to his journey towards becoming an executive. And he was successful in that. And then I'm also currently um, coaching the uh, founder of um, a five-year-old, so an entrepreneurial company, uh, founder and COO of a company on her journey, you know, to first time as an executive, um, what does that look like? And so spending a lot of time with her um, and achieving some of her goals and objectives. And it's incredibly rewarding. Okay, great. Wonderful. Do you think that some of what you have shared with some of the great companies and leaders that you have learned is necessary for some of our world leaders today? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I'm going to try not to like be too political because I mean, don't yeah, take us yeah. down a rabbit hole, but um, I, I think there's a lot that sort of world leaders. And so, and I mean, so that happens to be generally political leaders. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I do wish they could employ more of the skills um, and the way in which we're leading in business. I think we have the ability to do the right thing. And so when I think about that from a business perspective, do the right thing doesn't mean um, that I'm not, you know, doing what I need to for our shareholders. Do the right thing is definitely achieving business results. But when we think about like ESG initiatives, you can offset your carbon, you can focus on diversity and inclusion, you could do all of the right things and achieve better business outcomes uh, and leading in a very different way. Um, and so I would hope that more of the world leaders would learn from some of the amazing business leaders who've learned that to be really successful, they need to employ very different leadership skills, listening skills um, versus, you know, where the lobbying money is coming from. Yeah, that's real. And, and we can speak about that at any given point in time because it's the challenge that we face in the world today. I want to look at some things that a lot of people would consider to be maybe controversial 
But recently, we had a situation where Amazon was saying they're going to look closely at the stuff that's coming into their portals because they don't want to encourage the influence of AI usage too much. They want to encourage people to create from scratch, create from their intuition, create from their, their, their skill sets and so on. How much of AI do you use in your productions, in your speeches, in your presentations, or incorporate in the advice that you give to people in that executive portfolio where their leadership demands that they reach a wider amount of people or diversify in terms of the different departments. How effective is the use of AI for you, Victoria? Oh, well, um, so I, I spend a lot of time, if I think about, as I said, much of my career has been in business to business professional services. So working with companies on how to improve their businesses uh, or they outsource parts of their businesses to us for you know, and trying to save money. Well, AI helps support that dramatically. So mm -hmm. look at those repetitive okay. tasks. And so you want to implement that, but do so effectively. So the way in wor which work gets done, we should be utilizing AI and what gets left behind. And this is when I go back to the skill comment, understand that what gets left behind is usually the exceptions. It's the more challenging pieces. And that requires creative problem solving, thinking, and the communication, the way in which we're engaging with those customers. And so I'm consistently talking to business customers around how to leverage AI in the appropriate ways and doing so certainly ethically. But then also I think about how to leverage AI. You asked around like speaking mm -hmm. and so first of all, that all yeah. comes from the heart. Those are stories yeah. and that's knowledge. So none of that is created by AI. But I do, I spend a lot of time coaching people on personal brand. Uh, and a big part of brand is when you think about your audience, how do you engage with them? What content are you creating? The likes of AI has made that much easier for people. There's, you know, I've, you know, recommended ghostwriters in the past for people who aren't very strong at writing their own content. Well, now you can, you know, prompt chat GPT to output something that's pretty decent. Now, I always tell people it needs to be your voice the vernacular, vernacular that you would use. And so you're going to edit it. Um, but also in these new books that I have coming out, there's been like, I've taken paragraphs and I'm like, ah, it's just not sounding exactly right. Can you write it in a slightly different tone? And what comes back to me? I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. So um, I've also, you know, written like statements of work in, in some of my, my private, like um, individual coaching or consulting work, I was able to get a, a great template. There's the use cases for AI is incredible. So I do think we need to embrace it, but the effective use of it and the ethical use of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I love that. It, it makes it easier to accept the fact that we have to find a way to incorporate it in the stuff that we does because it's here to stay, whether we like it or not. So folks, we have been listening to Victoria Peltier, she is the unstoppable C-suite executive and brand builder. And now we'll just pause for a short commercial break, about 27 seconds. And we'll be right back with our special guest, Victoria Peltier. Stand by. Find radioguest.com. 
the place to click to find guests to interview for free. And if you're a radio show booker, podcaster, talk show host, or television producer, then this is the place to get podcasts and radio interviews or promote your books and products as a guest expert sponsor. FindRadioGuest.com. Check it out. FindRadioGuest.com. The place to click to find guests to interview for free. And if you're a radio show booker, podcaster, talk show host, or television producer, then this is the place to get podcasts and radio interviews or promote your books and products as a guest expert sponsor. FindRadioGuest.com. Check it out. Yeah, we had a little bit of a technical challenge here in the midst of playing that commercial. But it's all right. It's all good. We have got the smile and the unstoppable spirit of Victoria here to help us move on. So, Victoria, I want to ask you three questions. And normally I have a little bit of fun with my guests when I go into this area. I usually do it coming down to the end of the program. And I'm thinking... You seem to be someone that's strong on fitness and healthy dieting and stuff like that. But I'm going to ask you the question anyway, so I could get a feedback. It may not be the choice that you would make, but normally we have two things that people would grapple with. It's one or the other. And then if you choose one, you say why. For example, is it peanut butter and jelly or ham and cheese? <laughs> um hmm, that's hard i love peanut butter ah. a lot so um mm -hmm. i'm gonna go with peanut butter and jelly okay is it just because of your love for peanut butter or are there are other things variables in there uh it's probably my love of peanut butter the reality is um if i were from a health perspective i would actually choose the you know like ham and cheese or whatever, but um, I love peanut butter. So any opportunity to have peanut butter, I'm going to do that. But low um, sugar or no sugar jelly or jam. Yeah, I get you. Okay, great. And then we have we have the NBA, we have the NFL, we have Sunday night baseball or Sunday night football, which is the NFL. Which one would you choose? <sighs> I'm originally from Canada, Andy. You didn't have the NHL in there, the National, National Hockey, Hockey League. League. My yes. bad. Yes, yes, so yes. Would it be the Flyers then for you? <laughs> well, I'm—I don't know. I, I have a—I grew up on the west coast of Canada or Calgary, and so Calgary Flames was my team. But then I got oh. relocated to Toronto at age 20, so I tend to always kind of go with like the Toronto Maple Leafs, even though they haven't won okay. a Stanley Cup in forever. Mm. All right. We're going to leave that last part out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so final, final question. We have two great organizations that take care of our online platforms and services. One is Apple, one is Microsoft. Which one would you choose? Ooh. Uh, well, mm. I know that's really hard. Um, uh -huh. uh, I'm going to have to go Apple because I've, switched everything um to apple including even the macbook which was hard because i was a windows girl and knew all the shortcut keys um but i've got apple everything and i like how it all integrates so i'm gonna go there 
Yeah, would you believe that almost 80% of my guests choose Apple? And one of the main reasons they say is because they understand our personal use better mm. than Microsoft. Microsoft seems to kind of cater for corporate and it doesn't matter. We have a choice to make, so we make our choice, the one that we are most comfortable with. Thank you for participating in my three-question brief moment of fun. And we have just about four and a half minutes to go. So what I want to ask you, Victoria, is if you had to give advice to a young lady, particularly who wants to start up in business, and it's a position where they have the resources, they have the skill, but they lack in terms of the knowledge of how to put the business into place, the different mechanisms, how would you advise them to start or to go from there? You need to find and build the tribe around you that's going to help support you with that. So if you have this incredible vision um, and like business plan, you know, for an unmet need in the marketplace, whether a product or service, but if you don't know where to begin, surround yourself with people who are going to coach and mentor you, those who have been there before. Um, I find far too many try and go it alone and try and figure it out. Like I, we need to lean into the things that are our superpowers, delegate and outsource or hire people, um, or in this case, just people that are going to coach and advise you in the areas in which you don't have expertise. So don't be afraid to ask for help. I love that. Thank you for sharing, Victoria. Let's say that you have a megaphone and it speaks to almost 8 billion people on the planet. And you have a piece of advice to say to them, something that you want them to remember and not forget. What would you say to them? I, I said it earlier here, um, but that you, you are the CEO of your life. Uh, and so with that comes some of the other words we've used around being unstoppable or around leading a life with no excuses and achieving whatever you define as success. And that's very different for different people. But I want people to feel power um, in um, the control they have um, over their life, their career, um, uh, and, and anything else, that, you know, for that matter, that, uh, that they choose. Yeah, that's wonderful. Final question. If there's one thing that you could eliminate in the world that you think we should not have to deal with, what would it be for you, Victoria? Um, the, I, for, for me, I'm such an advocate around social justice. And so the inequity that is, exists around the world I'd love for us to just le lean much more into, you know, justice and equality for all. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's a great note to end on. So, Victoria, we just have about half a minute to go. I would like you to tell people how they can get in contact with you, if they need your services, if they need your speaking, your legendary work that you've been doing. I'm going to help you by putting some stuff up but I want you to share with them from your voice how they can make contact with you. Awesome. Well, the top one that you've got listed there, Andy, my yeah. personal website, which is victoria 
peltier.com. And then people mm -hmm. can choose whatever platform to connect with me on beyond there, whether it be Facebook, you've got listed there, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, X, although I, I still call it Twitter, but anywhere they want, they can get me from there. Okay, great. Wonderful. So we have had the amazing and may I dare say legendary Victoria Peltier as she is provided us with so many wonderful information and content on resilience, overcoming adversity, the ability to be unstoppable, the mindset to, you know, take our lives into consideration and be the CEO of the things that we want to do and how we can accomplish them. She has been an amazing guest. And now, may I remind you of the three watchwords, health, happiness, and prosperity. And we encourage you, we urge you, Please seek those in all that you do for all of 2024. This is Andy of Andy's Personal Development, along with my special guest, Victoria Peltier, saying thank you so much. God